Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Urbanowitz, your host for this Throwback FDNY podcast. Remember, you can listen to all the past episodes of Throwback FDNY by going to the website of the New York City Fire Museum at nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny and choosing the digital platform you use for listening to podcasts. Each show has three segments going back in time about the FDNY and its history. Now, let's start this month's show. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, in 1922, the department gets its first official photographer. In 1939, the Firebell Club of New York is organized. And in 1975, a bomb explodes next to the historic Francis Tavern. According to an article that appeared in the New York Times on April 5, 1925, Albert Dreyfus began photographing the FDNY in his young adulthood during the mid-1890s. Even his early works captured more than what the curious onlooker was admiring. He captured the energy of the responding apparatus and the excitement of the firefight. His lens saw the men behind the legends. Albert was born in Manhattan, where he lived his entire life. On his father's side, Albert's great-great-grandfather was Chaim Solomon, Solomon's brother-in-law, Isaac Franks, was a close friend of George Washington. Hyam lent money to, and raised money for, the Continental Congress to finance the Revolutionary War. He was arrested by the British for his involvement with the Sons of Liberty and was incarcerated in the old sugar house in New York City. The building lost its roof in the fire of 1776, and as a result, Hyam contracted a severe and debilitating respiratory ailment from which he eventually died. Monuments are erected to him in Mikvah Israel Cemetery in Philadelphia and on Wacker Drive in Chicago. The U.S. Postal Service issued a commemorative stamp with his image in 1975, and a World War II Liberty ship bore his name. Albert was an amateur photographer. His full-time job was as an elevator operator in the New York City Municipal Building so I can't say for certain how he managed to get away from his job or how he learned of alarms. However, FDNY's headquarters were in the municipal building at the same time. Perhaps he garnered some degree of clout from his relationship with the department brass. Some of the more substantial fires that he attended and photographed include the Equitable Building Fire in 1912, a fire in the tower atop City Hall in 1917, and the Standard Oil Company fire in 1919 that was so massive, off-duty members were recalled to help battle the blaze. And hundreds, if not thousands, more fires, from small ones to ones like the Arvorn conflagration in 1922 that destroyed an entire area of the city. He had numerous images of responding apparatus. One such image caught more than the engine. It captured a young boy pickpocketing a bystander on the sidewalk that was distracted by the speeding, horse-drawn steamer. A copy of that photo, from the original negative, hangs in the quarters of the Firebell Club. Thanks to Dreyfus, we can look at the faces of many notable members of the FDNY, both as stage portraits and at the scene of fires. These include Chief Smokey Joe Martin, Chief of Department John Kenlin, 
and even men who served back in the volunteer area of the department, like James Wenman and Charles Oscar Shea. One set of his photographs documented one of the most important events on the FDNY calendar at the time, the parade and medal day, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the department in 1915. For his work and dedication to the department, Albert was appointed official photographer of the FDNY with the rank of honorary lieutenant on April 4th, 1922. He was promoted twice, first to captain in 1924 and to battalion chief in 1925. Chief Dreyfus was an early member of the Firebell Club, being accepted as a special member on November 12th, 1940. Perhaps his most poignant photograph was presumably his last. Ironically, on August 29th, 1947, a fire broke out in a building next door to the Bell Club's quarters. Members of the club responded and began fighting the fire that began in a frying pan at a restaurant. The negative of this photo was found amongst Dreyfus's archive, having not been printed. He passed away two months after this fire. All of Albert Dreyfus's photographic negatives, including glass plates and celluloid, are in the archives of the Connecticut Firemen's Historical Society, who published a selection of them in book form in 2009. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Brown, the Executive Director of the New York City Fire Museum. Thank you for listening to our Throwback FDNY podcast. We invite you to become a member of our wonderful cultural institution in Lower Manhattan. We preserve the history of the fire department in New York City, educate the public on fire and life safety, and celebrate the wonderful traditions of the FDNY. To learn more about our membership program and the perks it offers, go to nycfiremuseum.org. Having just mentioned the Firebell Club, I thought this would be a good time to tell you about its history. The story dates back to a cold February day in 1939, when a group of FDNY buffs was standing outside the quarters of Hook and Ladder Company 24 on West 33rd Street. As the story goes, a police officer walking his beat suggested their retreat from the cold into a vacant loft in the building next door to the firehouse. Well, they did, and while there, they decided it would make a fine clubhouse. So 29 men established the Firebell Club of New York. The club was formally chartered by the state of New York on October 14, 1939. In its bylaws, the club limited membership to no more than 50. The charter members set about to decorate their new clubhouse with an array of FDNY memorabilia. A standard housewatch desk was built, and Commissioner McElligot authorized the installation of a standard bell to ring out the alarm box numbers, just as they did in the firehouses. As this was before radio communications were established between FDNY dispatch and field units, the club installed an NYPD radio, along with one tuned to the new FDNY fireboat channel. Before long, Mayor LaGuardia, himself a consummate fire buff, paid a visit to these new quarters and was highly impressed with what had been established. From the beginning, members of the club were issued fire lines cards by the commissioner. Presentation of the card at a fire would give the holder access within the established lines, 
formed to keep the public out of the way. But Bell Club members were regarded as virtual members of the department and were therefore known to be present not only for their fervent interest, but also to help the firefighters any way they could. Clearly, their reputation was so well established that Commissioner Quayle authorized the issuance of a formal gold badge for the Firebell Club. Make no mistake about it, although badges have lost their cachet, having been replaced with photo ID cards with holograms, computer chips, and assortment of security features, legitimate ownership of a Firebell Club badge is still a prestigious symbol. The Bell Club has always had a clubhouse, dating back to that loft on West 33rd Street. Currently, they are quartered in East 23rd Street in the basement of the Uniform Firefighters Association building. Today, the club holds regular monthly meetings, each with a guest speaker, and an annual dinner to honor the recipient of the Fire Bell Club Medal, which they have endowed since 1984, and the Shelley Rothman Medal, named after a longtime member and board chair. It also awards two scholarships to members of the FDNY, one to a member in fire operations and one to a member in EMS operations. If you're interested in more information about the club, visit their website at firebellclub.com. Hi again, it's Jennifer Brown, the Executive Director of the New York City Fire Museum. The Fire Museum's gift shop offers a large selection of official FDNY memorabilia, including shirts, hats, and souvenirs, and a large selection of books about the FDNY and the history of fire service. For your junior firefighters, the gift shop features children's firefighter gear, books, and toys. The gift shop is available year-round during the museum's opening hours, Wednesday through Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., or online at nycfiremuseum.org. In 1975, the term terrorism had not yet made its way into our daily lexicon. But call it what you may, a politically motivated, deadly bombing took place in New York on January 24th of that year. First, for our listeners that might not be familiar with this iconic building, Francis Tavern is perhaps best known for being the site of General Washington's farewell address to his staff at the end of the American Revolution. The first building on the site, at the corner of Pearl and Broad Streets, was constructed as the home of New York City Mayor Stephanus von Cortland in 1671. His son, Etienne Delancey, erected what became the basis of the current structure in 1719. It was acquired by Samuel Francis in 1762, who turned the home into a tavern. A number of fires caused significant damage over the years. The building we know today was completed in 1907 and was supposed to replicate its 1791 appearance. In 1975, Francis Tavern was a popular restaurant and museum owned by the Sons of the Revolution. On January 24th, the patrons included many members of the nearby financial and corporate communities. At 1.29 p.m., as many of them were there for lunch, a briefcase carrying 10 pounds of dynamite and an assortment of metal that was placed in the adjoining building and annexed to the tavern also owned by the Sons of the Revolution, exploded. The two heavy brick structures held strong, but the wall shook and glass windows blew out of the tavern and it filled with smoke. Within minutes of the blast, a terrorist group claimed responsibility, stating that it was in retaliation for the deaths of two of its members, allegedly ordered by the CIA. 
FDNY Engine 10 Lieutenant Thomas Regan told reporters, quote, people were writhing on the sidewalk. We didn't know if they had been blown out of the building or were passers-by. Firefighter Charles Anderson described the scene as, quote, utter havoc, with people lying all over the place, many of them mumbling in shock. Some were buried under debris, end quote. In all, four people were killed and over 50 were injured. The group claiming responsibility also took responsibility for at least 14 other bombings in the city, as well as several in other cities. They did so at a time in New York City that members of the FDNY refer to, until this day, as the war years, because of the high volume of multiple alarm fires, many the result of arson. The Francis Tavern bombing of 1975 is just one example of the intentional, politically motivated attacks perpetrated on the citizens of New York City, each of which saw the response of the FDNY in its unwavering tradition of bravery. And now it's time for our Throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. What was the intended purpose of the FDNY's first ambulance? The answer can be found in our last episode. And remember, you can listen to that and all of our previous episodes by going to nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you by the New York City Fire Museum the official museum of the FDNY. With help from the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official philanthropic organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this important safety tip. Next month, just like every October, we commemorate Fire Prevention Month. Please think about the many fire safety tips we have mentioned in our podcasts. And remember, should a fire happen near home, only working smoke and CO detectors can save a life. So press the test button on your smoke and carbon monoxide detectors once a month. If your detector has a replaceable battery, change it when you change your clocks back from daylight savings time to standard time. We can all do our part to be a partner with the fire department by promoting fire safety. Until next time, thank you and stay safe. <laughs>